Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Couch Shoes Podcast, where we give a young fan's perspective of the world of NASCAR. This week, well, past two weeks, we had North Wilkesboro and the Coke 600. We missed last week only because our good host, Levi, was out on vacation, but we have a lot to talk about within the weekend, and we have a guest once again, but for a return, once again. But uh, before we kick it down to our guests, we're going to kick it over to Levi. Levi, how's it going, bro? It was a great vacation. I got to see Kyle Larson win at North Wilkesboro during that vacation. So all is right with the world. I'm happy. Let's go. <laughs> Too bad you couldn't see a William Byron win at a... The Coke 600. Uh, it was fine. Honestly, getting to see Blaney back in victory lane, that's fine. I mean, like, I like Blaney. I'm not, like, a huge fan of his, but, like, no, nah, just seeing him, like, emotional and being, like, I finally got one. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I guess I, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. It, it hurts, but I'll be honest with you. I, I'm very, um, very excited for a Ryan Blaney win, but... Speaking of Hendrick, how was uh, how was how was the how was the week for the Hendrick boys for you? I, I know it's something not to talk about uh, <laughs> going Ooh. into the episode, but you know, actually, I was looking at something, and this is like the fifth different lineup HMS has got this season now. Like, <laughs> we ha- cannot keep our drivers active for like more than two weeks now. Like, <laughs> can we please keep them active? Um, yeah. Um, it was a great week, I thought, for Bowman. Like, just to come back and literally almost finish in the top 10 was huge. Uh, it stopped the points bleed that we had with him, um, with him missing races, which was fine. Uh, just to get him back in the car and all that stuff. Hopefully, he's doing good. Hopefully, his back isn't hurting from sneezing as well. Um, God, like Byron as well, really good stage racing all day. Got a ton of points. He's actually in the uh, regular season championship hunt now, which is absolutely awesome larson um yeah his luck with the 600 has not been all there and then uh chase elliott um yeah we'll get into that we'll get into that later <laughs> well i i know somebody that's a good chase elliott fan and he's not the only one but uh the only one that's still supporting chase uh we have brought back the one and only legendary cameron uh, as you guys may remember, he was on during the Hotlanta episode uh, where Levi was the host and I wasn't all that great. And I now host the episode. Levi's semi-decent and Cameron's here. So Cameron, uh, introduce yourself once again and how was your weekend? Yo, yo. Um, Cameron, basically already know who I am. Just another average race fan like everybody else, but the weekend was good. Um, I actually ended up getting a essential garage pass because I volunteered to do some garage tours at the Speedway Saturday, and I just used it to get in the rest of the weekend, so it was fun. Um, I got a couple connections in racing, so I got to sit on a pit box that was left up by an Xfinity team for the cup race, so that was a good experience, but overall, it was enjoyable. Um, even though we had to fight the rain a little bit, but we still got it in, so that's all that matters. 
Well, I I definitely saw it when watching the 600. Uh, I was also there too during that uh, weekend. Uh, unfortunately, the rainout was Saturday, and then Sunday, and a little bit of Monday. So overall, it was a very roller coaster weekend. Um, overall, how did you enjoy uh, both races, uh, both Wilkesboro and uh, the 600? Uh, I'll start with uh, Wilkesboro. So Wilkesboro, I thought was a really good um, the cup race. It is what it is. I mean, I don't think a lot of people blame it on the track. I don't think it's the track's fault. I think it's the car's fault. I don't think that they quite have the short track package dialed in yet, but I'm sure they'll figure it out. I, I just hope that too many people don't hold it against the track, and hopefully it doesn't hurt their uh, chances of getting some sort of big event next year, which I'm sure they will, because I heard that they were already selling tickets that they haven't even planned yet. But the uh, heat races were really good, I guess, because of the, you know, it was either you you finish a certain way or you, you go home, which sucks. You never want to make a trip to a track and then not race in the show. But um, the truck race was, was really good, though. Um, and as far as Charlotte, I mean, besides the rain, I, I can't, I can't really complain. It, it put on a show. I mean, all, all three series did, in my opinion. So, um, and the Cup race had enough storylines throughout it to keep you entertained the whole time. So, but I mean, I'm a little biased because I was in the pit area. So of course, I'm going to think it was a good experience. But from what I hear, watching on TV or from the stands, it was just as good. So, moving in, uh, we'll talk about a little bit of North Wilkesboro, and then we'll get to the elephant in the room, which is Charlotte. Um, just straight-up domination by Kyle Larson. I mean, both in the truck race and in the all-star race. Uh, everything was so hectic. Uh, Levi, what's your thoughts on the whole Larson domination at North Wilkesboro? I'll put it this way. The best drivers always rise to the occasion. Or the best team, I'll put it that way, because I'll, at the beginning of the race for the All Star race, there Larson was out of it. There was no, I don't think there was any way he was getting back into it unless there was a strategy call. Oh, guess what? There was by Cliff Daniels. They decide to go ahead and come on in, use up a set of tires. They get him back out there. Guess what? He just blows right through everybody, and immediately after that, once he takes the lead, he's gone. Uh, which I think part of that is just with this car. I think it's just really good on short tracks and clean air, which. Again, that's just natural with this uh, car. But at the same time, I think Larson just had the track down. Like you would just see him in turn four, especially. He was able to just uh, kind of cut his car down onto that apron there, use that like new paved, I think, concrete there, and just get a great run off. I don't think any other driver or any other team could really do that like he could, uh, which I think part of that is his driving skill. And I think also the team behind him as well, just giving him a really good car. Like, the best team will always rise the occasion. And I think that was what was great about North Wilkesboro in general. Like, you even saw the 2311 guys just come alive there, I think, towards the end. They started making their way up to the front. But, like, the thing about it is, I, I will say, the race as a whole, I think a lot of people I heard were kind of, you know, bored with it. I loved it just because uh, you actually got to see these guys slipping and sliding around a little bit. You couldn't go full throttle around the track it was definitely that old school short track feel i just feel like the car is just a little bit too planted to the ground at short tracks 
uh, for us to be like, you can't really move them out of the way or anything like that. So there is work to be done for sure. I think the number one place to start is by ripping the underbody off. I think if you do that, you're going to definitely get rid of a lot of downforce that way. I think as well, if NASCAR can figure out a way with this car to lower the wheelbase, get a little bit of a smaller radius wheel uh, for these short tracks, I think that's going to be like second to that. But outside of that, I thought it was good. And <laughs> maybe that's just because I'm a Hendrick fan. I don't know. Uh, Cameron, got any thoughts about the domination? Um, I think a, a big factor of Larson's domination um, in the truck race and even more so in the cup race was just because in the truck race, he realized that off of turn, I can't remember if it was two or four, they had a patch at the bottom of the track, like off the track that was fresh asphalt or concrete, one or the other that they had just laid down for, you know, when they were redoing the, the track and the walls and stuff. And he realized if you got down on that, that you could find some grip and there was no grip anywhere else. Quite obvious, you know, it's quite obvious. And it, it all came down to the uh, shock and suspension setup. There were some cars that just literally could not do that because they would bottom out. But, um, he had the input to give his crew chief that, hey, we need to try this, throw this at it, and uh, it should work. And it, and it obviously did because there was no other car there, no other Hendrick car, no other Gibbs car. It doesn't matter. There was no other car there that could come from the back to the front in the amount of time that he did and then lead like he did. I mean, if we wouldn't have had the halfway caution and it had kept going, we possibly could have seen him lap the whole field so i mean i think the suspension setup had a big thing to do with it but i'm also with levi as far as the underbody piece i know they don't want to mess with it because it's like one of the big new changes on the next gen car but i think it might be one of a one quicker way to fix it a little bit just to to try to get the cars to handle a little more poorly per se on a short track so you have them sliding around, but they're drivable, so not quite as, as bad as it was at Wilkesboro. It's one of those hey. things where for the back, I think with the back end of the car, you have to sit it lower because of the rear diffuser to try to get air to it. But I think that's, I don't know. I think it's causing the rear end to be too stuck to the ground. I don't know. I'm, <laughs> I'm not a mechanic, but yeah, definitely the underbody I think needs to go. I think there there really should be a whole lot of adjustments to these cars. I mean, we've you've seen it with uh, Bristol, Martinsville, all these other tracks, and especially now seeing it at the historical North Wilkesboro, that we just need the cars to just, instead of being it like slot cars, we need them to just be out there, move around, go up the track, down the track, almost like going to Charlotte, Kansas, all these other tracks that are multi-groove to where you can run different lanes in order to get your car rolling and doing what it needs to do. Um, the Larson domination for me is just, it's cool. I mean, I, I know it's... This. Sorry to interrupt, but I will say this. You can move somebody out of the way, though. Problem is... <laughs> oh, yeah, with no hesitation. Oh yeah, you can. Yeah, you can move people. It's just I know some of those drivers didn't want to. Just to ask uh, Ty Gibbs and Michael. Oh, yes. Yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah, exactly. You can move somebody out of the way if you really want to. You can, but again, I do get as well. I think bumper tags still hurt as well, so I I get it. Um, but I mean, I understand where it was kind of the most like 
neutral race, and I get it. It doesn't always have to be an exciting race, but and yet again, it's the All Star race, so something exciting should happen. But I, I feel like for me, I was mostly taking it in uh, when watching that race only because um, it's just such a historical track. Like, take it in. This is something that we have not seen since 1996. So obviously, us three weren't around during the last North, North Wilkesboro race, but we were definitely here for the revival of North Wilkesboro. And that's all in thanks to Dale Jr. and iRacing to get that started. And then after that, it was just a snowball effect from there. And I remember NASCAR, I think it was NASCAR and NBC tweeted something out, or what, it was probably something else. Uh, maybe North Wilkesboro's Twitter, but it just showed on the snowball effect of the revival. First, it started off with iRacing and Dale Jr. Then it added to, I think, the Joe Biden. I think Joe Biden was giving out federal funds uh, for like to North Carolina. Then Roy Cooper gave money to North Wilkesboro, and it just kind of just snowed in from there. So it was... You know, it's pretty cool to see something that was once lost now, uh, now back to the uh, NASCAR Cup schedule. Yeah, there was one thing I completely forgot. I was going to bring this up as well. I think uh, what would have helped, and I've noticed this as well, whenever we went to Bristol for that All Star race, the problem with having the All Star race at a short track is you don't have as many cars out there on track, uh, which means as well you have less likely of you know you have a lower possibility of more drivers getting mad at each other, you know, and all that stuff as well. I think if we would have had a full 40 car field or maybe just 35 cars, however many we can fit with pit road and all that stuff, I don't know. But I think if we could have had a little bit more out there, I think you get a little bit more action. I think so. Um, yeah. Good. I, I want to just add that in the cup series, especially it's really hard like people don't understand how hard it is to for nascar necessarily to take these are so these are the best drivers in the stock car world at least or they're supposed to be so the only way you're going to get them to put on a show and race hard or you know whatever people want to see is they're going to have to have a few things they're going to have to have incentive whether that's stage points I don't know, prizes, whatever they got. And then they've got to have somehow, you know, they just got to find a way to make the drivers race hard because the only time that crazy things are going to happen is when drivers get desperate or drivers get mad at each other. And that's when they do things like, I mean, we saw it at Charlotte a couple of times this week, you know, people just, I think Kyle Busch did it multiple times. I, nobody wants to talk about this, but I think Kyle Busch did it multiple times where he just kind of, disregarded the guy on his outside and just kind of you know whatever happens happens but that's just the him wanting to move up and he's desperate for for positions and and he's upset because the car may not be handling the way he wants but they're gonna have to get uh situations like that to get those drivers to put on a show because if not they're just gonna get out there and do what they do and that's turn laps really fast and like wilkesboro with it being the one groove track that it was you know it's hard to do anything unless you want to move people. That is very, very, very true. Uh, so moving on from North Wilkesboro after it's just 
straight-up domination from Kyle Larson. We get to the to the main event, Charlotte, the 600, the one that we've all been waiting for. Um, initial thoughts. What are we thinking, boys? Great race. So this is, I think, a tale of two tracks, right? Whenever it comes down to like how the next-gen car handles. You have the short track with North Wilkesboro. You have the mile and a half with Charlotte. At North Wilkes, we saw the car. Eh, yeah, it didn't really put on as, as good of a show as it could have, right? Charlotte, beautiful. Like this car, you can lose control of it coming out of the corners. If you're not careful, it will kick out on you very, very easily. I think we saw it last year as well. Like it is actually hard to handle at mile and a half. Now, I don't know if that's just because of aerodynamics. I don't know if that's the skew of the car, whatever. I know part of it is because of the um, tire wall there. Uh, you can't really feel sometimes how far you can actually push the car. But we saw Tyler Reddick, I mean, coming off four sideways, go through the grass and still just keep going. I mean, that's, that's awesome. Uh, but at the same time, we did see some drivers, you know, or some teams basically, you know, end up, well, with a bunch of junked race cars. And they're, you know, having to go back to the shop and repair all of them now. So... You know, it's it's um, great that I think we had like you know the ability for drivers to you know race hard and all that. Uh, but at the same time, yeah, kind of stinks whenever you know the guys at the shop have to you know go back and then you know repair all that because that takes time and effort. And I know those guys are probably not happy. So yeah, I um I will add that the cars definitely seem to be. On the, I think NASCAR hit the nail on the head with the drivability of the cars at, at Charlotte or on the mile and a half in general. Because I know where I was sitting, which all I could see was turn three, four, and down the front straightaway. But from where I was sitting, it it was interesting because I know Charlotte turn four is already just it's a scary corner because you're kind of trusting the car to grab and go because of the way the wall comes back at you. Because three is kind of sweeping, and then four just kind of shoots you straight. And more so this year than in the past, they basically repainted the wall off of turn four with tire marks and paint and not paint, but vinyl scraping along the wall. And it was just cool because you had drivers like Kyle Busch, Tyler Reddick, guys that can run, and Kyle Larson, everybody, guys that normally do not make mistakes like that multiple times getting into the wall off the corner but the one thing i'll say is the car held up pretty good i didn't see many people pulling in for things breaking i mean and a couple of them they smacked it pretty good so that that's definitely good to see obviously not perfect like you say you don't want to see people destroying each other but i think a lot of the wrecks were drivers um running just running into each other for no reason it wasn't really the car's fault it because uh really charlotte was a two groove like there were some guys that could get down on the bottom and get off but a lot of guys could run the top really fast too so there's no uh reason to really be hitting each other except you're me meeting in the middle and just running into each other but i mean that's going to happen and that's racing so and that's what the fans want to see so i think it put on a good show and They've definitely got something with their mile and a half to, uh, set up. 
Oh yeah, and even then, like with the with the aggressive racing that they've been doing, I mean, we saw it last year with the twenty twenty two race, and um, you know, watching how everyone gets so aggressive, they're just you're just seeing so much play to where even then, like when you're watching the long runs between Blaney and Reddick, you know, you're watching them just hango it out, and um, you show how much talent there is behind the wheels. I mean, it's very it's one of the very few tracks on the schedule that will show you like what a real driver does, you know, where the real talent is. Um, like obviously when I think of like real talent tracks, you think of Darlington, Charlotte and some other racetracks, but um, you know, Reddick was such a wheelman, and so was, you know, Blaney and Blaney had the best car. Uh, obviously towards the night, you know, Hendrick, started getting better but like when it was the daytime entering dusk like blaney was on top of it and uh so was and i think 2311 was also having a really good run too i mean yeah sure bubba had his issues but i mean could still run uh fairly decent inside the top five so i mean overall just the the racing at charlotte has improved by so much and just watching um just everyone just play no matter where they go. You could be up high for like the first few laps and then you could be down low. And it's just, it's so fun to watch. Now it's not fun to watch if you're a Jimmy Johnson fan watching him spin out for the first few times, learning how to drive an oval car. But uh, what, what's y'all's thoughts well, on the whole um, Jimmy and um, The The one thing I want to say is I hate the fact, and I know it's, Jimmy's part owner in Legacy Motor Club, so they'll figure it out. You know, they're they're gonna have their rough patches to start off just like Track House and 23XI did. But it really sucked to see Jimmy run he didn't run a hundred laps, but he made it to about lap one hundred and he was done. And it's like Jimmy Johnson felt felt like that should have been one of the focal points of the race, but it's like nobody really Honestly, in the pits, it didn't feel like people really cared. Like, nobody was really hanging around his pit box. When he was getting out of the car after it wrecked, there wasn't a bunch of people around the car like there was with Chase Elliott. But it it just sucks because in the Legacy Motor Club cars had a horrible race. And I heard a lot of people saying, well, I mean, is it a coincidence that they announced that they're moving away from Chevrolet next year and then you know radiators start busting and this that and the other and i'm like i don't know i mean obviously i think either way it'd be a bad look on chevy if if you know they were weren't supporting them all the way but it just sucked to see his cars perform so bad and and he didn't necessarily perform bad he just didn't he didn't have anything the car just wasn't there no uh not one of the three legacy motor club cars were there yeah, it definitely didn't. I didn't like, you know, seeing Jimmy struggle and all that. But I think part of it is because with this car, you cannot drive it loose. You actually have to drive it kind of on the tighter side when it comes to setup. Because, like, the problem is if you drive it too loose, it's just going to kick out on you. Like, you're going to just spin out, uh, which I think is what happened a couple times there with Jimmy. I think, if I remember right, he always liked to have a looser setup. And, well, surprise, surprise, guess what? Um, but yeah, I think the big problem is that like, nobody really cares that Jimmy's back. It's because it's like, 
you had your time, you had your, you know, fun in the sun. Well, now it's time to move on. Like, get out of here. Go, go on. You know, uh, let's focus on, you know, the main stars that are coming up now. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's still cool to see him as like an owner in the sport, still active in it, coming back and trying to have fun with the sport. But it's like at the same time, but you, you had your fun. Like it's, it's, it's time to move on. Yeah, and it's <clears throat> it was really disappointing to see the the legacy motor clubs just have a bad run. I mean, Johnson at first, because I, I think I think the whole Johnson effect, like as Cameron was saying, like there wasn't a lot of people around Jimmy Johnson, and it's only because it's like it's at the point to where it's not. I, I don't want to say it's not a big deal, but it's not like it was. Um, at Daytona, you know what I mean. So, it it wasn't like oh Jimmy Johnson's coming back to NASCAR and he's going to attempt the 500, which, I mean, obviously with a name like Jimmy Johnson, it's a big deal. But I, I don't know. I I think it's just maybe it's just lost its effect, and maybe it's just another. I don't know. Another thing that I think could be a big reason, and y'all may agree or disagree, is in the past couple of years, especially since the next-gen car and NASCAR has been in the news more, we the fan base has has um, grown a lot, at least with newer fans. For a long time, we didn't have a lot of new fans, especially younger fans. So a big thing is they might know the history. They might know, okay, this is Jimmy Johnson. He used to be a good race car driver but they don't understand the significance of being in the presence of Jimmy Johnson. Like he's not just a good race car driver. He is one of the greatest to ever drive a car of all time. But a lot of, I think a lot of fan base doesn't quite understand that or they're so far away from his dominance and he's kind of done not so great in the few races he's run this year that they don't quite understand it. And I mean, maybe if the cars start to get better, it'll be a little more, you know, importance, but I think he's, he could learn a lot from Jeff Gordon is, I mean, you know, it's with, with your, you know, you're getting up there in age and, and you, you've had your time. It's time to go be important in a different way. Go take pictures in victory lane with cars that, that you've, you've fielded with, with young drivers, you know, give the next guy a chance. Cause a lot of these young drivers are just so hungry. You know, Jimmy Johnson, like, is he willing to take a you know take a guy three wide for a win? No, he's not going to do things like that. So, in my opinion, if you're on a racetrack and you're not willing to to do whatever it takes, then you probably shouldn't be out there. And I think that's the case with Jimmy Johnson. Yeah, it's <clears throat> it's just it's sad to see. But I mean, look, at the same time, it's it's the fire that still goes right. I mean, we see it with Dale Jr. We see it with some of these other guys and other motorsports coming back, even though it's like, man, you're, you know, you're way past your prime. But, you know, some of them just wants to do it for fun. Others just want to test themselves for just a one-off. But it's, I really did think because early in the race before his, um, his spin, which I think his spin was due to a lack of certain things. Like obviously he was racing around Logano. Um, I felt like he should have had more practice because uh, he didn't do that much time in the, in the sim. And he was like, man, I should have really practiced more. And 
we saw it last year with those cars when everyone was learning the car all you saw was spin outs and all that stuff is because no one was used to the car uh this is the first time that jimmy johnson is driving this car on an oval uh without a restrictor plate or on a road course so it's johnson's trying to get used to all the sensitivity to the car i uh, I think uh, a big thing, a difference between what Junior is doing and what Jimmy is doing is, with Junior, he understands his limits. Like, we probably will never see a Junior Cup Series comeback because he understands that the difference between an Xfinity race or a late model race and a Cup race are miles different because in a late model race, if Junior enters a late model race, I don't care if he's 30, 40, 50 years old, he's going to be one of the top five or 10 drivers in that race. But in the cup race, every single driver is capable of winning the race if they're given the equipment to do it for the most part. So it's just hard once you've gotten past that age where you're able to push for that long to, to do anything unless the right circumstances arise. And then on your second point with the car being unstable, it also probably doesn't help that he just came back from IndyCar, which the whole point of IndyCar is that the car is so stable that you can just slam it into the corners, and that's how you find grip is to drive it into the corner instead of lift and get back in the throttle like a stock car. So he might be having a little uh, just IndyCar hangover too, and he's he just got to get used to it again. So, yeah, that's... I feel like that's is there's a lot of factors of him uh being back. So uh overall Legacy Motor Club did just not have a great six hundred. So we we've we've kinda uh uncloaded the curtain a little bit with the whole Chase Elliott thing, so not it. <laughs> yeah, 'cause we're on the we're on the HMS subject and we've uh already talked about uh, Elliott's future. So uh during the race uh we had a moment between Hamlin and Elliot. So for for those of you that are keeping track between Elliot and Hamlin, if you thought the feud died years ago, yeah, well, it's rekindled again. Drivers uh, never forget. <laughs> exactly. Well, they may forgive, but the fans definitely don't forget. Um so I was so I where I was sitting in the 600 race was at the restart zone. And I, so in my perspective of watching it, I didn't really see it until the looking at the big screen. So I was just watching cars come out of four, you know, just kind of watching all of them go by and then back at it again. Well, when the incident happened, I was just looking off and then I just saw people start reacting and I was like, wait, what's going on? And then I looked and I was like, oh, and I saw what happened and it was Hamlin. I'm like, oh no, Hamlin. And I was like, wait, he's one of my picks. No. And then it was just on from there. And I'm like, what happened? And then I saw, so obviously, so way earlier before that incident happened, you had Elliot and Hamlin go at each other. Well, Hamlin, I think got, loose or tight out of two and was bumping into Elliot, which um, was on him. I, you don't really think about that as much, uh, except for Chase Elliott. And he just gets into him. And it's like, okay, rubbed him up a little bit, which whether intentional or unintentional, it's still, they've got a long way to go. Something that can put in the rearview mirror. 
I think about maybe a lap or two later, uh, coming out of the turn, this is almost like the Gregson and Chastain incident where they're coming out of the turn and they're racing. And I think it is really of a judgment call of the amount of space that Hamlin gave Elliot. Um, obviously I'll let Cameron go first to kind of describe on that, but the turn. And I think Elliot thought that Hamlin wasn't giving him enough space. And instead of just letting it go, like Gregson did, and then fight on pit road about it, uh, Elliot decided to just don't hook him, and they both, you know, wreck out. So it was big. Uh, wasn't expecting it, and we'll have Cameron um, roll us off on this uh, incident. And get go ahead. Out of it. Yep, go ahead, Chase fan. I'll I'll sit back. I'll let you. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> okay, so I I'm a Chase fan, but I'm not like delusional right so i'm just gonna give my two i'm gonna give the two sides of it right a chase fan and then a nor you know a normal fan right what a chase fan might say and what a normal fan might say okay a um what would you call it a just a what most people would identify chase fan is which is like okay ride or die crazy right he can't do nothing wrong they're probably gonna say hamlin should have never ran into him right they're gonna say he deserved it you know y'all are wusses you know racing in is is as good as it used to be this that and the other i've seen that all over twitter and i'll say from a driver's perspective it's never cool to write rear somebody like it's just not that that's like that's like fighting words right there or just, you know, it's just bad. It's a bad look in general, but you know, a lot of, of favorite drivers have done it. I know that uh, Dale Jr's done it in the past. So, and wrecked half the field doing it. But anyways, regardless, let me get back on topic. My other point of view is that maybe when he got hit, if Chase is telling the truth, which only he knows, I guess, but, if when he got hit, he did slam the outside barrier pretty hard. So if something did break in the rear, it could have caused the car to dart left. But it looked pretty drastic to me. But if you watch the video, it kind of looks like the rear of the car never really hooks up. So I could see that. But then you you hear the interview, right? And Chase says, okay, I, my wheels were straight the whole time, correct? And then Denny Hamlin posts the S&T data, which shows that the wheels were not straight. They were locked left, basically, more than usual in that part of the track. But he was on the brake all the way and all the way off the throttle. So, But I'm not going to say whether he did or he didn't. I'll let everybody make their conclusions, but that's just my three viewpoints on it or, or what my thought process has been as far as a chase fan deciding what happened. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, I think I need to go take a bathroom break. Uh, no, um, the thing, so here's how I look. I kind of am like Cameron's where I've got multiple views about it as well. So definitely have to agree that right hooks into the wall, especially, or into the field like Dale Jr. did at Daytona are or should never happen as a is basically a respect issue at the end of the day uh mainly because right hooks are not fun 
you basically it for those that don't know if you get hit in the right corner panel straight up into the wall it hurts and then also you know you could wreck basically half the field by doing that as well a uh, good example of this is gateway uh carl edwards versus brad keselowski that whole thing as well that's a great example of what you know basically a right hook gone bad um but I'll put it this way as well. Do I think Chase should have been uh, penalized or suspended? Yeah, so uh, no. And the reason why is is because... Oh, well, this is controversial right here. Yeah, now I have, to, I have to go back and say why he got penalized, right? It goes all the way back to last year when Bubba right-hooked Larson into the wall. I don't think Bubba should have been penalized for that either. I think if you've got a problem with the pro or with a driver or they right hooked you at any point, you should go and take it out on that driver or whatever. Leave the sanctioning body out of it as much as possible. Now, there are times when I think the sanctioning body needs to actually do more. Best case of that is I think it was 2012 or 2011 uh, Martinsville whenever Brian Vickers went on his little tantrum. I think he wrecked like five to 10 times, maybe even 20 times. And yet NASCAR did nothing about it. I think finally somebody had to take him out. I think it was either Kenseth, I think, that took him out. Uh, yeah. It was Matt Kenseth that finally did it. But even then, like, I think sanctioning body at that point needs to go, okay, get him out of here, right? So the thing is, I'll say, is that if you ever right hook somebody into a wall, is definitely a respect issue. And I think the driver should, you know, basically either fight that out or talk that amongst themselves. Leave the sanctioning body out of it. They don't need to be getting into it. Let them fight it out. Um, however, Cameron, as a driver, I'll, I'm curious to think whether or not you should get, he should get uh, penalized on that. Um, my thoughts on the suspension as far as, as that goes, uh, whether he did it on purpose or not on purpose, I feel like in the video it looked purposeful enough that they have to do something at this point because they've – They've set a normal now, right? So they right. did it to Bubba. So they've got to do it to him because, you know, majority or a lot of people are going to be like, so Chase is becoming this polarizing figure, right? Kind of like Kyle Bush used to be, just not as hated. But it's like you either like him or you hate him because everybody likes him. Yeah. That, you know, and so they know that they've got to they've got to do this to chase because they got to show like, hey, it don't matter who it is. We're treating them the same no matter what happens. You know, we reviewed the data, this, that and the other. But I think it was less of reviewing the data and more of we've got to do this to show that we do it to anybody. Um, As far as like, do I think. Like that move should be something that they they police um i could see both ways like i could see why they would police it because you want drivers to understand that that's not something that's cool but at the same time in the heat of the moment when somebody makes that decision they make that decision they're not thinking of the consequences right bubble wasn't thinking of the consequences chase if if it was purposeful was not thinking of the consequences he was just mad so it's going to keep happening i think it's more of a big deal if it's like a Carson Hosovar situation where they seem to have a bad habit of doing it all the time. Yeah, that's or yeah. frequently. But I do think it's funny that, and a lot of people have mentioned this a guy right rears somebody into the wall, they get a one race suspension, no points, no fine. A guy 
they manufacture a part that's already on the car. They just do it in house because they they can't get a hold of a part or or they they don't want to buy one and they get two hundred fifty thousand dollar fine, six race crew chief suspension. You know, it's like what is you yeah, know what are our priorities here? But is, is it safety or is it making sure that that nobody messes with the cars? But um, yeah, I mean, I guess to summarize, as far as the suspension goes, I could see both sides of it and and. I understand why he is suspended. No, I definitely see. Here's here's how I look at the suspension is that I think NASCAR definitely put themselves in a box. Not that, you know, I don't think anybody else did. They put it on themselves because once they did it to Lars or to Bubba, they had to do it to Chase because if you don't, well, you're probably going to have people, you know, coming at you. But I think also part of that was, and you can thank Hamlin for this. If it wasn't for Hamlin, I think coming out, literally saying in his interview that he should have been fine, plus also putting the SMT data out there, plus also going on his podcast and saying, you know, all these things. I don't know if Chase would have actually have been suspended because Denny Hamlin now has turned into kind of a polarizing figure now in NASCAR. I think that podcast he has has given him a lot of power. So you can thank Dale Jr. for giving uh, Hamlin a lot of power in the sport now. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, seriously, he's got a lot of it now. But the thing is that at the end of the day, yeah, NASCAR did put themselves in the box because they penalized Larson, so now, or not Larson, I keep saying Larson. They penalized Bubba, so now they got to do the chase. Now, the reason I say I don't think the sanctioning body should be involved is I think the drivers themselves should police that stuff. If you don't like that another driver right hooked into the wall, go up there, talk to him, or you know, basically fight him. Uh, if you need to, go and have that conversation. Go out there and basically say, hey, look, this is not cool, man. I'm going to fight you on this. One of the things I hate that what drivers do is sometimes is that they'll get out of the car and say, ah, well, they need to be fine. They need to, Somebody needs to take care of that. Take care of it yourself. Go do it yourself. If you got a problem with the driver, do it yourself. Don't be blaming somebody else or putting it on somebody else to do it. You know, take care of it yourself. It's your matter. You got involved in it. Sorry, but guess what? That's how it is. It's conflict. Go resolve it yourself. Don't, you know, put it on somebody else is the way I see it. But at the same time, yes, I get it. I would not be, if I was in that car as well, I would not want to be, you know, right hooked into the wall as well. I totally get it. Um, but at the same time, I look at that, you know, the Bubba Larson situation, and then I look at the Chase and Denny one. Let's get real. I think if, you know, if we went back and, you know, Bubba wasn't penalized, would Larson actually go and talk to, you know, Bubba and all that stuff? Probably not. I don't think, you know, that's one of those things. I don't think Larson would actually, you know, go up to Bubba and be like, hey, that's not cool. I think Larson at the end of that one was like, yeah, it, it was kind of deserved. But in Hamlin and Chase's situation, oh, yeah. I, Denny, I think, would have uh, definitely have had a little talk with Chase there, I think, if NASCAR didn't do something or whatever. But we'll see. We'll see. Um, yeah. He, he may. He I may think still you brought have. up a good point uh, with the Hamlin situation. I think you really brought up a good point with the Elliott situation. Uh, do you think he really would have gotten suspended? I don't think so, personally, for me. Um, I feel like we're we're in a we're in a day and age now to where we need to be consistent with our rules and at least to be fair to everybody because um yeah sure in the past it's been sketchy and sure it may have not been that consistent but for the most part you are putting a driver in danger we've seen with this next gen car that there still needs to be work on the safety aspect of it. I mean, shoot, you can even look at the 
onboard cameras with Ryan Priest, Denny Hamlin, and you can look at half these drivers that have an onboard camera. When they have a scary accident like that, it looks violent. It looks so violent. Like, you look at a Gen 6 uh, onboard, it doesn't look half that bad. Like, sure, it's still a hard hit. You're, You're taking these impacts that are so aggressive, but it's not as aggressive as what we're seeing now. So, I... I do understand where both sides are coming from of where, well, Hamlin doesn't need to be a tattletale or, you know, Elliot didn't have to do it or whatever. I I see both sides, but at the end of the day, um, I do not agree with Chase's actions. I feel like he should be suspended for that only because, you know, it's on, it's unsafe. It's, it's not a good thing to do because then that still opens the door for more drivers doing it. And if NASCAR doesn't police it and say that Denny Hamlin didn't say anything about it, who's to say that nobody else is going to do it? Like say if um, somebody was mad at Chastain and they did a similar incident, you know, kind of way, which we all know nobody's going to hit Chastain, but for example, if something were like that to happen, it's going to wind up somebody going to the hospital and it's not going to be the infield care center. Speaking of Chastain, how many of us think he's wiping sweat off his brow right now? Because for the first time this season, he's not trending on Twitter after a race. Oh, I know. If somebody else did something. He's probably like, thank God they're off my back a little bit. I, I mean, honestly, I think that was probably – a good thing and also a bad thing because you know hey he's like look at look at my sponsors on my car oh nope somebody else is doing it now okay well anyway but yeah i <laughs> you gotta know chastain is definitely just happy you know the focus is not on him but also then i'll also go back and say this as well it's the at the end of the day when it comes to sports and officiating you learn of this phrase consistently inconsistent NASCAR yeah. always be consistently inconsistent and that's just the way it is with a lot of sports now, um, the NFL is w- really known now for their terrible, I mean, terribly inconsistent penalties. Like they will penalize somebody for gambling the whole season. But if you get, you know, you have a sexual assault case on you. Oh, well, that's only six months or six games. You know, that's that's not I mean, it's like, wait, what? Hold on. <laughs> um, these are two different things. Like, so it's definitely right now kind of in the sports world, especially we're just consistently inconsistent with it. And a lot of that is at the end of the day, and I hate to say it, money. Uh, definitely when it comes down to it, you know, different powers, of course, have different money, of course. Chase, honestly, again, still surprised he kind of did get penalized because he brings in so much revenue. But at the same time, I think the precedent was sent. Denny Hamlin has the power now, and here we are. Let's be honest, Chase is a poster boy for NASCAR. Every commercial you see, Chase is all in the commercial. Chase, Denny, Logano, Bubba, all of them. They're all people that people tune in to watch either because they want to see them do bad or they want to watch them race and do good. So the last thing they wanted to do, like I said in our group chat, was suspend Chase Elliott because it's a proven fact that less people watch the race like mass amounts of less people watch the race when Chase Elliott's not in the race. Um, it probably helps them that this is a FS1 race anyway, so their their ratings would be down anyway. But uh, you definitely wouldn't want to lose them for a Fox uh, or you know regular TV race. But um, 
you know, it's the last thing they want to do. But like you said, they back themselves in a corner, so they have no choice. The tough thing with the inconsistency is with sports, like it, it's people gathering in a group, you know, referees, officials, or, you know, NASCAR board members or whatever, you know, or their, their panel that they use. Um, and it, it all comes down to, okay, what does the majority of people think happened? You know, it's people, you know, opinions and then majority rules and this is what happened. So obviously majority ruled that Chase Elliott did it purposefully this time, but you see it all the time in sports. A certain, like in football, you'll see a certain group of referees might think this was a flag or, and then this group was like, nah, that's not a flag. So it, it, you're always going to have that inconsistency there, I think. Especially, I think especially now more than ever, because you have to remember now, Sports are not like thought of as they used to be. Sports as they used to be kind of where, you know, you get to see these very much amazing talents that these athletes have. Now it's kind of like entertainment now. If it doesn't have, if it doesn't meet the drama quota, if it doesn't have, you know, a close game at the end of it or, you know, in the racing side of it, if it doesn't come down to like a photo finish, it's not, you know, it's, it's not entertaining enough, right? So I definitely think now sports as a whole you know, different organizations, MLB, NFL, NHL, NASCAR, whatever, like they are trying, it's basically a drama factory that they have now, but at the same time, they have to, you know, still be somewhat fair because again, you still have athletes, you know, it's just a mess, but at the same time, that's how it is right now. So anyway, Austin, I know we've definitely gone over time and also Cameron, I'm so glad you brought up the chase thing. I'm still waiting on my Alex Bowman commercial. Where is it? (laughs) Where is my Bowman commercial? Uh, I don't know if you're going to get a Bowman commercial. I don't think I am. I, I'm starting to think I'm not going to. Um, but I, uh, I will say, a lot of young fans I saw at the track had Ally Racing gear on. So maybe he's trending up uh, to be a little more important there in the marketing space. But I, I think so. I think, honestly, he's one of the... To me, at least, I think he's one of those guys that's starting to kind of, you know, be a little bit more marketable and all that. But at the same time, he is still kind of a, you know, one of those personalities that's just, you know, <laughs> kind of. I think they should do a uh, maybe like a Netflix, a Netflix special on him or something because he's got a really good um, motorsports. Oh, he just, does. He would make a good documentary candidate because of just. He's been like most people don't know that he's had his cup he's had his cup series tries before. He's worked to have this shot. They put him in the 88 car and he performed. Kind of like Josh Berry's doing except Josh Berry had a little better equipment throughout his career than than um Alex Bowman, but you know, it's a guy that's earned his shot. You don't always see that now. Yeah. So true that, which is why I'm a big fan. But anyway, Austin, oh, I got two more. I got two. So, speak. So, since Elliot is suspended, we're going overtime. All right. We, we well, have two races. To, there's a lot to go. All yeah, right. Couch Chiefs overtime. Let's go. Couch Chiefs overtime. Let's go. Anyways, uh, Cameron, how do you feel about Court LaJoy being uh, your driver's replacement? Um. Okay. So. I have these things where I go through stages where I hate drivers and then maybe I warm back up to them. I'm kind of in the warming back up to stage of Corey LaJoy, so I'm not too upset about it. I don't understand the whole, you know, how how did this, like, 
I know Hendrick and Spire have, you know, they have a good relationship there, but I'm, it's just weird that a full-time Cup Series driver is filling in for another full-time Cup Series driver, um, and he's leaving his car. But I, um, it, it is weird, but I'm not too upset about it. I just don't understand the whole Corey Joy thing because I do think there's better drivers they could put in the car. But um, it is what it is, I guess. So I, I think I know why. So the thing is, we have to remember as well, Josh Berry, you know, it sounds like he signed the SHR now. So I think that's why Hendrick. Uh, it's, it's, he's also in Portland too. Just uh, saying. Uh huh. That's what I'm saying. Like, he's, yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Move on, move on. But um, I think the reason why is I think Corey LaJoy may have been reaching out to Rick Hendrick still and saying, hey, um, let me end that ride. Because if you remember back when, um, Jimmy was retiring. I think he was sending letters to, his, uh, to Rick Hendricks saying, Hey, you know, I'm not the, you know, flashiest driver out here, but, you know, give me a chance and I'll, I'll show you what I can do. So I think this is, you know, basically Rick Hendrick basically giving Corey LaJoy a favor saying, Hey, look, ride's open. Go show now what you can do. And I don't know if y'all noticed, but Corey LaJoy was one of the only drivers that was kind of taking Chase Elliott's side without taking Chase Elliott's side. Yeah, but he wouldn't agree that he did it on purpose, and everybody was giving him heat for it. But I think now we know why he wasn't just saying, you know, uh, he wrecked him yeah. on purpose. Because you know, when Rick Hendricks your new boss for a week, then you need to just make my home, make <laughs> the homeboy happy. You know, say whatever you yeah. got to say to keep that ride. Exactly, and you keep buttering that because man, <laughs> you never know. You may hang on to that ride. Who knows? Uh oh. <laughs> yep. And um, then we got the penalty. So it's it's really another great week to be a Chase fan in general. Um, <laughs> the L3 penalty for Bree Chaseco. Uh, yeah, that, that one's a stinger, a humdinger. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about that? Uh, I, I want to go to a therapist right now, but, you know, I, it's fine. It's I, I, fine. Look. It could have been worse. It could have been, you know, all four of the cars had, you know, bad louvers. I mean, it could have been worse. <laughs> yeah, you know, it could have been like us underneath a microscope like uh, Rick Hendrick is. But, you know, it's all good. Everything's fine. It could have been a lot worse. And then you could have had your greenhouse as well affected somehow as well. But, you know, it's fine. At least you got, you know, docked with only an L3 penalty. <laughs> you know, the weakest one. But, I yeah, know, right? it's... I... It could have been worse. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> Anyways, moving on from that situation, oh, we are. Okay. Yeah, we're just gonna move on because right. it, it, it's getting uncomfortable now. It's, it's You're you're getting flashbacks over there. Oh, so, I'm just like I so don't. The, you made the Hendrick fans talk about Chase Elliott for thirty minutes, but <laughs> yeah, we see how it is. <laughs> uh. Uh, moving on to Gateway. <laughs> Cameron, I think we need to revolt. We need to revolt against the host. <laughs> he's he's lost power. He's lost his power. Uh, no reverse card. Ah, oh, come on. <laughs> so fair. Fine. Do, 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 do you want me to go on like a 40-minute rant on why why we suck? Oh, no, it's okay. We know why you guys nah, were you can You can do that in the mirror tonight. <laughs> we don't okay. need to hear that. Okay. All right, I will do that tonight. <laughs> anyway, right. um, moving on to Gateway. Uh, oh, how, how, how are we thinking? What? 
I was going to say, what I tell you about Blaney? <laughs> oh, yeah, Brian Blaney won. Congratulations. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, Ryan Blaney won. Uh, Ryan Blaney wins in a drought uh, after, what, 58 races? Um, yeah, it was a long time. So how, how do we feel about the, the good performance that Ryan Blaney has had? Uh, I feel like this is a long time coming, and really – this is one of the tracks that kind of certifies to me like Ryan Blaney's the real deal. Now, obviously he's he's had some races that's been struggling, but for the most part, I mean, this just shows that Ryan Blaney uh, is still one of the best uh, drivers on that grid. Um, definitely deserving of his seat over at uh, Roger Penske. So, uh, what's y'all's thoughts on the whole Blaney back to uh, back on his feet, winning at the six hundred? I just the one thing that like kind of bothers me is that like you know he was so concerned about he would never get in the victory lane again. I was like, nah, nah, you you still got plenty of wins left in the tank and all that. It's just the last year again, new car. Um, even Truex went the whole year without a win, but like him and Truex both were really consistent though. Like they were racking up points that whole year last year, but even then. Only one of them could get in the playoff there towards that, you know, in the 26th race there. And well, yeah, only one made it. And um, this year, finally, they both got their wins now. They can say they've won in the next gen car. It's just, I think with this car now, it is harder to win now more than ever. Like, if you want to win a race, you got to be your best. You got to bring your best. You can't bring a car that's, you know, just, it's okay. But, you know, it may ran, run around in the front. No, you got to bring a good car each and every single week now that you think can actually run up front. And even then, if you're in the back of the pack or you're mid-pack, guess what? That's tough. Like, you got to be up front. you got to be chasing these wins. Thankfully, Ryan Blaney was. Now, his car, I would say the whole race was good. Like, he, on restarts especially, uh, was very good, mainly because Byron kept giving him the bottom, which whatever but anyway uh, yeah he was really good on restarts and he would just stay out in front that's what you need to do um which william byron gave him a good battle i mean his pit crew just shout out by the way william byron's pit crew my goodness uh amazing all one is just goaded at charlotte so oh it is i mean I mean, I think it's where the timing line is, which would explain a lot because, my goodness, like, <laughs> he won the battle, I think, every single time, yet Blaney still beat him every single time on the restarts. I think uh, Team Penske, I think it was partially, I mean, it was, you know, Blaney did his job, but I think Team Penske finally dialed it in and brought a car to a racetrack to get him, get him over the, not just top five, but get him in that, in that win you know, column because there's there's a difference between being a top five car and being a car that could win the race. I think Tyler Reddick had a top five car. Ryan Blaney had a car that could win the race. There you um, go. Because Ryan Blaney can move around when he had to, like you said on restarts. There's nothing they could do. I mean, Byron would kind of could kind of pull him to turn one, but Blaney just had the drive on the bottom top wherever he was at. He had the best car and um, the racer in me and just the the you know the guy that works on race cars you know helps set up race cars when the best car wins it, it's not a bad day it's nice to see that because that was a deserving win it was a team effort and that's like you said that's what it takes now 
with these cars uh bringing everything closer bringing teams that necessarily you know weren't always a top 10 car making them top 10 cars now like 23xi and stuff like that um you got to bring your best to the track the whole team's got to be on point and blaney's team was the best at charlotte uh in indeed and also um to also have another big milestone at the uh 600 or should I say 900, uh, Justin Haley being very close to achieving 900 miles, and so is Ty Gibbs. Um, earlier in the weekend, we Kyle Busch was originally supposed to drive uh, the 10 car for Colleague, uh, but due to him wanting to focus more on the cup side, uh, Justin Haley decided to do the Xfinity race early in the day, and then... Uh, Cup later, so um, and then Ty Gibbs, you know, obviously he was going to do both. So, how do we feel about the big milestone for Justin Hay Hay? Awesome, congratulations, good job, you did it, you completed a ton of miles. I mean, that had to be the worst, um, or hardest milestone mentally to complete because literally you're there the whole weekend you get rained out then you start on monday then you have to stop you have to get in the cup car then you have to get back in the xfinity car like oh my goodness had to be a mental nightmare trying to like keep up with like you know this is how this car is handling this is the strategy for this race well this is the strategy i mean congratulations good job on completing that many miles i mean that's absolutely amazing but at the same time though i hope you had a good rest the next day like i hope you uh hope you really had a good load off and just got to, you know, sleep and take it easy. Cause my goodness, that's hard. Um, I don't think some people understand the, uh, what goes into turning that many miles consecutively. It basically consecutively it. And especially like you said, the, the wrenches that were thrown in there at him that he overcame just to survive that long, no matter how good you perform, just, to not wreck out for that many miles straight in a weekend or in a day is 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 crazy because he was basically racing from he he probably got up at nine that morning and he he didn't stop until almost one o'clock in the morning so for him to go that long survive that long survive all the incidents in the races and and keep the nose clean that is definitely a huge accomplishment yeah it's uh it's something to live out through the uh test of time as uh Justin Haley has completed 898.5 miles so he was He's short by uh, by a lap, <laughs> to say the least. So uh, during that Xfinity race, it did go for a very long green flag run, and only four, five cars finished on the lead lap. I want to safe to say. Yeah, I don't remember. I'll have to go back. Yeah. Yeah. But for the most part, I mean, most of the field was lapped down. Uh, they only had like one caution after when they came back and that was after Sam Mayer spun out, but, uh, Justin Allgaier, um, rounded out the night into the next day, uh, winning. So that was good for him and that team finally not crashing for once for JRM. So, uh, definitely a step in the right direction. Um, it looked like most of the JRM cars were starting to pick back up on where they left off. Um, 
So now we can move on the gateway. Yay! <laughs> finally, after have a roller coaster. Um, for knowing what we know last year and it, all of its uh, roller coaster of emotion, what are we expecting going into uh, this weekend? I'll have Cameron start off first. Um, ask me that question again. I'll. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pay attention. Okay, Levi, you're going first this time. All right. All right. Um, yeah, so what do I expect um, for Gateway? I got to tell you, last year's was an exciting uh, race, mainly because you had Chastain doing Chastain things. This year, I doubt it will be that exciting. I'm definitely looking to see, you know, how this car does now with everybody kind of figuring it out now and seeing how it does at this flat kind of egg-shaped track like Darlington. Um, definitely uh, for me, it's not one of my like personal favorites, like, you know, to run on, you know, whatever I racing or watch whatever, but like as a fan, it's definitely one of the cooler tracks that we have on the schedule just because it's shaped differently. It's not like anything else. Problem is next gen car here is just not, you know, it's not amazing. Like it is at places like Charlotte, Kansas, um, which is all fine. You're going to have tracks to where, like, you know, a car does better at or worse at, you know, than other tracks. But at the same time, though, we'll see. I think going into this race, you're going to have to qualify well. Uh, they don't get rained out or whatever. Qualify well. You're going to want to be in, up in the front in this one. Make sure strategy, you don't mess up on pit road. Pit road is going to be very important, I think, throughout that whole race. Stay up in front. Don't get mired in the back. You don't want to be up in that dirty air. Uh, Driver-wise, I think you're going to definitely want to watch out um, for this one. I had somebody off the top of my... Oh, yes. I think William Byron. I think definitely you're starting to see him come alive this season more and more. Definitely watch out for him. He's only four points back, the regular season championship lead right now. I definitely think as well. Um, going to have to go with... I think Kyle Larson, I think he's going to be a good one here. Again, if he can get up front, he can uh, stay up there as well. I'm going to have to say as well, I think... Oh, definitely. I'm going to have to say, like, this is my definitely my underdog or a guy you're definitely going to want to watch out for. No doubt, is going to be Corey LaJoy. How does he do in this Hendrick Motorsports car? First time in it. He's getting his time now to prove himself. Can he actually show what he's made of? And lastly, I'm going to say, um, watch out for Kyle Busch. He came up close to winning it last year. New team. Maybe he can get it finally done this year. We'll know. We'll see. Net, now do you get it, Cameron? Net, now do you get what I was asking you? to answer the questions now. Okay. So uh, looking forward to Gateway, um, I de this is definitely going to be one that I try to set aside time to watch because I heard that um, um, uh, Michael Waltrip and Kenny Wallace will be in the booth, and I like both of them, especially Kenny Wallace, because he speaks his mind, and I know anything that happens, he's going to say it like he sees it, and uh, that'll be exciting. Uh, like you said, uh, Corey LaJoy, I think, is probably the biggest story. Uh, because it's going to be the first time we've seen him in top equipment at the cup level or really any level. And um, another thing that um, I, I was reading on Twitter, I don't think anybody uh, realized this, but since Corey LaJoy, Corey LaJoy will still earn points for his driver championship 
um, because not you know it doesn't matter if he's in a different car he will him himself will still earn points so the funny thing is he's behind Alex Bowman on the cut line if I'm correct I know um, Levi could probably tell me if I'm correct or not on that but that that's the funny thing so he's basically on the same team as as Bowman now but he's using uh, Bowman's teammate's car to try to pass him in points so that that'll be exciting and i think that he could win i mean we've seen him do some great things in inspire motorsports car which is definitely not nowhere near a top car in the cup series and um another thing is um blaney snapped his winless streak so um maybe we'll see uh hopefully we'll see some drivers like Brad Keselowski or, or somebody like that hopefully we'll see them do better i'd like to see him do better i think he's starting to get back in his rhythm but we'll we'll see how that goes but as far as oh yeah i also forgot Carson Hosovar in the in the Spire Motorsports car i think the biggest thing is can he just put a clean respectful race together I know he's gone out there and said he's got to clean some things up. I think for him, if if I'm Spire Motorsports, just tell him keep the nose clean, turn every lap you can, and and finish the 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 best you can without ruffling too many feathers. And then my pick to win the race, um, I'm going to go out on the limb here and take Martin Truex Jr. because he snapped his winless streak. I think he's got some some sort of momentum here. He's he's raced at Gateway in the Xfinity series before and won there a couple times. So so uh, I'm gonna take Martin Truex Jr. to win. All right, all right. Some strong picks, strong picks. Um, let's see. I feel like we we're seeing some strong picks here. I think William Byron's a good choice. Um, knowing how good his year is. Um. Chastain's kind of a hit or miss for me because sometimes he'll have like really good races and then just other points just he's there. Like that's it. Yeah, literally like Charlotte. Like Darlington man to fear. Yeah. Um so I think William Byrne will definitely be one of my picks. Um it doesn't hurt to say Joey Logano because he won it there last year. So back to back could be possible. Um, let's see who who else was really good at uh, who else was good at Gateway. I'm uh, kind of blanking, but I, I would say you know what? Since it's kind of almost it's almost kind of like a Loudon in a way. I feel like I'll take Byron. Logano, and I'm gonna go with Christopher Bell. Uh, Logano won last year, correct? So yeah, so that's that's why I'm kind of thinking about Logano. Um, I think Christopher Bell might be an actual good choice, um, only because he's really good at flat tracks. Uh, Gateway is is weird because like three and four is flat ish and then like with one and two it's got some banking to it so i don't know it, this seems like something that could be up uh christopher bell's wheelhouse looks, so. looks like bell did finish top 10 last year so that's pretty good 
Kyle Busch finished second, so maybe he could uh, get his hype back and win. Or Ryan Blaney. It looks like Ryan Blaney finished in the top five. So if he could go back to back, he'd definitely shut Kyle Petty up. So, oh, yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah that'd be nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, actually, the first app, it's funny that I come back on this episode because the first episode we talked about how Kyle Petty was talking trash about Ryan Blaney. Oh, I forgot about my, that. My oh, first episode oh, back from that. It Ryan Blaney happen. is going off the 600 win. It comes around full circle. Wow. <laughs> I didn't realize that. Hit Everything just comes in full circle now, doesn't it? Just like NASCAR tracks. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> oh, wait. Oh, I'm wait. too weak. Um, underdog? Underdog. Um, uh, Ryan Brees? Again? Really? (laughs) Look, I said this about about it, Martin Zoling. You look, look how that somewhat turned out. All right. I think think you said him like ever since Martinsville too. Don't somebody go back and check that clip. It. We'll we'll double check it, and if it's clipped, then uh, then it's fine. But for the most part, still, it's you never know. Um, He'll probably like sneak get a pole and then just. Dominate and then speed on pit road like he did at Martinsville. I still can't. Um, I still can't believe that he, he really would have won that race had he not sped on pit road. It's almost like it was a track position <laughs> race. Did you not think to stay like slow down? <laughs> yeah, did you not think it was like Monaco in a way to where it's just oh. a single groove track? I, I we could talk about that as well because is it just me? I don't get like okay, I get Monaco is huge and all. But like, do, do people find that like fun to watch? Like, no passes for the lead. Like, is that fun to watch? No, uh, we're we're getting in the controversial aspect, aren't we? <laughs> I um, mean, I'm just saying. I'm like eh. another another thing on the underdog subject is I'm not trying to give the competition here in the race and picks league anything, but Corey LaJoy is 19th in points, therefore he's underdog eligible. And he's in top equipment. So instead of wasting a top driver pick, uh, not that Corley Joy is a bad driver, maybe Corley Joy is a good pick this week for underdog and top equipment because um, he's finally got a shot to run with the big dogs. I've been using Chase ever since he came back as an underdog because <laughs> he, like, he's still below the top 16, which for those that don't know, in our league, in the Couch Chiefs, um, race picks league whenever we we have like an underdog pick which means outside the top 16 counts as like an underdog so you basically have to pick somebody outside the top 16 in each series if you want to participate in each series there which gets hard with trucks and xfinities trust us but um yeah cup race um golly outside the top 16 as well like for gateway it's gonna be really hard this week i think they even choose one Mainly because I don't see many underdogs besides Corey now. Probably going to be up there. Uh, Ty Gibbs, no. Daniel Suarez, well, maybe Ty Gibbs. I don't know. He's strung together some pretty good races. Suarez, eh. Cendric, eh. Uh, AJ Allmendinger might be a good one. Allmendinger, maybe. Top 10 last year. So He did. Yeah, uh, you're right. I'm looking, I'm kind of cheating. I'm looking, I kind of, this is, you know, I kind of like to look at last year's run to, to make my picks, but. No, that's um, a good idea. So um, Almondinger was top 10 last year, so maybe that's a, a sneaky one. Cendric was 11th, so. 
Um, Not bad. But yeah, I don't really see anybody else that that I would choose. I guess. I guess uh, oh. if if you feel good about Chase Briscoe, I mean he's better driver than thirty first place. But is he is he going to get you that that um, underdog score you want? I don't know. Or they're going to mess with the underbody again, and you know. Yeah, I mean you can't trust SHR <laughs> these days. I know you can't. It's almost like they're the new cheating Toyotas. Man, <laughs> we're not part of Toyota. <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay, that's going to be part of that. So, oh golly, yeah, I'm, I'm cheating yoders. Yeah, uh, Jimmy, of course, had to had to transfer them there. Oh well. So that will conclude the episode here for Cat Cheese, Cameron. Cameron, what, what, what's your socials, bro? <laughs> uh, Cam J underscore fourteen on Instagram, and that's basically it. I don't really care about the rest of them too much. <laughs> Twitter is MJ uh, races, so uh, I'm on Twitter a lot. So, uh, Levi, got it? Got anything to add? Yeah, kind of. As I said earlier, actually, come and join the Couch Chiefs uh, Race Picks League. See, the thing is, is that we have it set up to where you can join basically at any time. It's just definitely you're going to miss out on some playoff points when it comes down to the playoffs, but doesn't really matter. You can join basically at any time. But once the playoffs start, you better be there for every single race because that's when the championship is going to be decided. You're going to get a really cool trophy as well. And, um, yeah, really a lot of fun as well. So come on out. Uh, join the Discord channel at discord.gg slash podcast. Outside of that there, Austin, I think that's it. Uh, we'll conclude our episode. We'll see you guys next week at uh, Worldwide Technology Racing, a.k.a gateway